morning, verse 28 down through verse number 31. We'll read every other verse together, which would be verse 29 and 31. We'll read those out loud together, and then I will read 28 and 30 by myself. Beginning in 28, the Bible says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Together, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. We are continuing the Rooted in Christ theme today. Two weeks ago, we started a series of sermons entitled Planting the Seeds. The title of the sermon this morning is this, Plucking Up the Old Roots. Plucking Up the Old Roots. Let's pray. Lord, I'm not normally nervous when I stand behind this pulpit and preach, but there is a sense of nerves as I seek to preach a very uh, important and powerful truth. And Lord, my heart is very burdened for some of those in this room and others that are watching online. As God, I know what they could become and could do for you if they would just get serious about turning their back on their past and embracing the Word of God literally and truthfully. Lord, may we not be folks at right offense. May we not be folks that have a foot in the world and a foot in the, in the Word. May we be folks who wholeheartedly buy into what you've told us would guarantee success, spiritual success. Lord, help me this morning not to get bogged down in chasing rabbits or saying things that you wouldn't have me to say. Help me to be quite precise with my words. And Lord, use my words to be a sledgehammer in someone's heart today. Lord, I pray someone this morning would leave here on a path of radical change. Help, help us this morning to be not only hearers, but go forth and be doers of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to lay out uh, my introduction this morning by using some scripture. So, everybody got your Bible? Your fingers functioning this morning? Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Hold your place in Ephesians 4. Joshua 1, verse 8. I'm going to have you turn to a handful of passages here. And we're going to let the Word of God sort of uh, lay out the introduction for us. This morning, Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. You're here this morning because you don't want to be a failure at life. I'm going to assume that. Is that a safe assumption? Everybody here wants to be a success and you showed up to church because you want to know how you can better be a success. Well, let's let the Word of God speak to us. This book of the law, Joshua 1 verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, look here, thou shalt make thy way, that's your life path, thy way, read that next word out loud with me, will you? Prosperous. And then thou shalt have good, next word, success. These are the, this is the only verse in the Bible where you find prosperous and success in the same verse. Turn over to Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1. Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1. Psalm 
even if you have these, this passage memorized, if you don't mind, just uh, indulge me and turn there anyway. We're going to emphasize some verses this morning. All right, you there? Everybody find it? First word, out loud together, ready? Blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his next word, delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. I see a theme here running from Joshua 1, 8 to Psalm 1. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, look here, that bringeth forth his fruit. You know what I call that? I call that prosperity. I call that success. Bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf is dry, crusty, and falling off. Is that what it says? His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall, next word out loud together, prosper. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Sometimes I get moving while I'm preaching. I don't want to get tripped up up here. Okay. Matthew 6, verse 33. Everybody find it? But, seek, and this is right out of the mouth of Jesus himself, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And if you need clarity on that, you go back and read the verses preceding it. Especially if you want clarity on what you can seek in contrast to the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you mark in your Bible, would you underline, or if you have this verse underlined, highlight those three words, circle them if you need to, and His righteousness. Look at the rest of the verse. And all these things shall be added unto you. Again, you can refer back earlier to figure out what that is, but I'll tell you what those things are. Prosperity and success. Prosperity and success. Am I a prosperity preacher? I am not by material standards, but I am by spiritual standards. I believe God wants you to be spiritually prosperous and spiritually successful. And I would propose this morning that if you are spiritually prosperous and successful, then you are prosperous and successful. The, The purpose of our theme this year, Rooted in Christ, is to help all of us to develop into a prosperous Good success, all these things shall be added unto you, type Christian. Christians that successfully and abundantly produce. Successfully and abundantly produce. What do we produce? Well, we produce Holy Spirit fruit. You know what Holy Spirit fruit is? That sounds like a a term dripping in religiosity. Let me be real practical here. Holy Spirit fruit is emotional stability. Emotional stability. That's not all over the map. That's not up and down. That's not happy one day and sad the next. Holy Spirit fruit equals emotional stability. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you want to be emotionally prosperous and stable? Would you hold up your hand for me? You there? Everybody there? Some of you aren't aren't holding up your hand. Is it because you're sad? All right. Um, What else does the... Please stay engaged with me here this morning. What else does a good success, prosperous, 
all these things shall be added unto you type Christian produce. Well, he produced Christian, he produces or she produces Christian or saint fruit. So Holy Spirit fruit and saint fruit. Now later in the year, we're going to look at what these fruits are supposed to look like in great detail, but what is saint fruit? Saint fruit is a strong influence for the sake of the gospel in the lives of my family, my friends, my co-workers, my neighbors, and even complete strangers that God brings along my path. Now, raise your hand if you, uh, if, if you don't want boldness. Okay, if you don't want boldness and influence when it comes to the gospel of Christ and spiritual development with others, if you don't want that influence, raise your hand. I don't see a single hand. So you all want that influence, right? You know what that is? That's spiritual fruit. We all want emotional stability, and we all want influence and boldness for the sake of the gospel and and encouraging the downtrodden and downhearted. We all want the ability to help somebody along to be the Christian God wants them to be. We all want to raise children. Uh, The parents in the room, uh, grandparents in the room, I'll speak to you in a minute. We want to raise children and grandchildren that love the Lord and love His Word and are, are, are prosperous spiritually. We want these things, but are we willing to commit all the way there in order order for us really to get it. Here's what I'll say. In theory, we want these fruits, but in practice, we don't always show that we actually want them. In theory, we say we want them, but our actions do not back up what we say we want. The question really comes down to how bad do I want these fruits, this success in my life? Many believers will come to church for years and never see real spiritual fruit. They'll come and sit on the pew. They'll get to a place in their Christian life where they plateau. They set up a tent and they say, I don't want to press on the upward way. I'm happy right here. I'm happy right here. You know, my wife's okay with my spirituality and she's not nagging me anymore because I go and pluck my rear end down on the pew once or twice a week. And so since I don't have to listen to her nag anymore, life is good. I shake the pastor's hand when he goes by me and I smile real big and, and he seems to be okay with me. So um, uh, life is good. My friend, there is so much more to the Christian life than getting your wife or husband off your back and the pastor off your back. There's so much more to it. God has this great, grand plan for your life, and we plateau out in the Christian life, and we never ever see all of the wonderful things that God has planted, a plan for us. Now, we began this year with a series of sermons out of Luke 8, where we looked at the thought of preparing the soil of the heart. Recently, we began a new series of sermons entitled, Planting the Seeds, and we looked at four types of seeds out of John 12 that we ought to put into the soil of our heart. We looked at the seed of the Scriptures. We looked at the seed of, 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 of self-abandonment or, or Holy Spirit improvement. We looked at the seed of servitude, and we looked at the seed of suffering. I'm not going to re-preach that sermon this morning, but let me ask you a question if I could. What happens when these seeds begin to take root in your heart but run into a contradictory root system that's been there for years. You throw the seeds of the Scripture in your heart, and they begin to shoot down roots in in the soil of your heart. But then they run into another root system that is ideologically completely opposed to what that verse says. You know what's going to win out? The old root system. The old root system. 
And we go and we try and we never see real change because we're not willing to deal deal with the old roots of sin that we have left in the soil of our heart. You cannot produce... Here goes my water. You cannot produce for the Savior. You cannot ever produce fruit for the Savior until you're willing to go back and see the old roots and identify them as sin. And the truth is, some of you here this morning, you like those roots. And you like how they make you feel. And you like how, uh, 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 you like all of them, uh, of that. And you haven't even grown to a place where you're tired of them yet. But the truth is, you're never gonna produce for the Savior until you're willing to get down and rip up the old root system and throw it out so that God's Word and the seeds of all of those things are able to shoot down and have complete control of the soil of your heart. Here's what I'm getting at. You cannot be rooted in Christ if there are sinful root systems that are trying to coexist with spiritual, godly root systems. Once we get saved, we must begin to uproot the old way of thinking. We must begin to allow Christ to transform our minds so that the soil of our hearts can be rooted in Christ and in Christ alone. Christ does not want us to section off our heart with a wall and say, this part of the soil of my heart uh, is for the world, and this part of the section of my heart is for the Word. He wants the barrier to be broken down, and He wants the whole entire field. He wants all of it. He doesn't want you to uh, to laugh at a dirty joke at work on Sunday, and sh- or rather on Friday, and shake your head in agreement with the preacher on Sunday. He doesn't want you to be entertained by filth on the TV or in the movie theater on Monday and then show up to church and say, you know what, God's Word is good and I love God's Word and boy, God's beginning to do things in my life. God says, no, I want the whole thing. So by way of introduction this morning, let me just say I may or may not get specific with old root systems. I will get specific in a minute, but I may not name the root system that's in your heart. But let God point out where that is. And let Him show you what needs to change. By plucking up the old roots, you know what we do? We free up our heart soil for the seeds of the Scripture to spawn and grow into a healthy root system that will produce much for the Savior. Now, there are two groups of people here this morning. There are those that love their old roots and they don't want to get rid of them. I hope this morning throughout the message you'll be able to see maybe why you should. I hope I'll be able to convince you to start moving in that way. There are others of you here this morning that you're dealing with some old roots, and the Lord has been dealing with you on that, but you haven't really put in the work to eliminate it. I hope this morning that you will take that step to say, there are some life habits that need to drastically change so that God can do great things in me. Without further ado, let's jump into the outline this morning and look at three main thoughts about this topic of uh, plucking up the old roots. Number one, let's look at this thought, the development of sin roots. The development of sin roots. Go back with me to Ephesians 4.28. In just a moment, we're going to look at some of these here. But let me lay, if you've got some blanks there on the back of your bulletin to fill out, let me lay this out for you, okay? A heart seed, speaking of sin, a heart seed is an ideology. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. The ideology of servitude. As opposed to the ideology of being a king. At home, are you the king of your castle? Queen of your castle? Or are you going home to wash feet and serve? I don't mean literally wash feet. Not figuratively wash feet. Um, are you going home to serve or be served? 
Are you seeking self-improvement? Or are you seeking Spirit, Holy Spirit improvement? Are you yielding to Him so He can change you? Or are you busy trying to change yourself through the power of your flesh? Uh, are you busy trying to read self-help books and, and listen to preaching that is about the Bible? Or in, 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 there's nothing wrong with that inherently by itself unless those things outweigh your time in the Word of God. You know, I learned a long time ago I can read books about the Bible. And I do that some. But it got to a place where I was reading more books about the Bible than I was reading the Bible. That's a problem. God's Word needs to speak to me directly. Um, ideologies. Now, there are good ideologies, and there are hurtful, sinful ideologies. What happens is the, these ideologies come in through way of commercials on TV. They come in through ways of... Uh, of, of, of humor that slipped into a TV comedy or through a political uh, uh, ideology that's uh, against the Bible that will come in through a news channel. Uh, there are, uh, and by the way, uh, most of what you find on cable news, you need to shut off and quit watching. I don't care which side it leans. Because all of it is poisonous to you. And you know what? Uh, find a more uh, neutral news source because most of what's on cable news is filth. I mean that. And, I'm, and that, most of that includes Fox News as well. Okay? And Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, most all of it is meant to get you to hate the other side. You need to turn that off. You need to get your news from a more neutral news source. Okay, that's my rabbit. I'm done chasing rabbits. I'm back on track. Glory, hallelujah. Okay. Um, uh, but an ideology, whether that comes in through movies, through Netflix, uh, through friends, uh, through music. By the way, I, I, I'm going to, in the near future, preach a sermon on music. Music is one of Satan's main, main avenues of throwing sinful ideologies into our hearts. You gotta be very careful about what you listen to music-wise. Uh, 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 I, dr- I addressed this last Sunday evening with the sermon, Does God Care What I Wear? I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's sermon online. Uh, but, uh, Does God Care What I Wear? Clothing is a way Satan gets us to identify with Him. You be careful how you dress. You be careful what you put on. What are these things? They're heart ideologies. There are seeds that go into our heart. So a heart seed ideology that leads to a heart system, a root system. That's mentality or mindset. Now I've got this way of thinking, this this way of operating. You ever sat down with someone who just had an opposite worldview of you and tried to talk to them and felt like we've got no common ground? You ever been there? Maybe you're here today and you're a Democrat and you've tried to talk to a Republican about politics. Or you're a Republican and you try to talk Democrat about politics. You know what you find? There's just no common ground. You know why? The mindsets and mentalities come from two opposite directions. And you just can't see eye to eye on much of anything. You ever try to have a religious discussion with someone who is a Jehovah's Witness or a, or a Mormon or, or a Catholic or uh, a, a, a Muslim? You know what you find? Their root system is different than your root system. Sometimes I stand up here and I'll say that certain things are sin. But for some of you, they have such a grip in your heart that if they were to be taken away, you would lose your identity. Because it's a root system that's in your life. And it's wrong. So a heart seed, and again, we're talking about the development of sinful roots here. A heart seed or an ideology leads to a heart system or a mindset which leads to, um, uh, which leads to a lifestyle. A lifestyle or life habits. Now, let's scripturally see how this plays out. Verse 28, Ephesians 4. Let him that stole steal no more. Somewhere along the way, 
the ideology of taking something that did not belong to him that was thrown into the soil of a heart. And then there was the dwelling on that while that root system grew and developed. And then one day he took something out of the store that didn't belong to him. And then it became a lifestyle of being a kleptomaniac. A heart seed turned into a heart system, root system, that turned into a lifestyle. You see that? Look at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. We had a guy, a job I worked named Nick, uh, a job I worked to pay my way through college. It was a truck doc job, blue collar type job. And I remember we were we had some downtime. We were waiting on a new truck to come in to unload, and we had swept the dock, cleaned the dock, and the supervisor was good with it. There was really nothing else for us to do. So we're sitting in a circle on our forklifts, and we're we're talking to each other. It was all all of us were preacher boys going to Bible college. A bunch of us had been employed. We carpool up together. There's three or four of us there working, and Nick was a Chicago local, and uh, Nick was employed there. And Nick had a filthy mouth. Every other word was um, began with the. Fifth letter of the alphabet. Right? That's, as far, that's as far as I'll take it. Every other word out of his mouth began with the fifth letter of the alphabet. And if you work a secular job, you know people like this probably. Okay? Every other word that came out of his mouth was the fifth letter of the alphabet. And uh, he pulls up and he's telling us some story. And it's, it's, it's every other word's a curse word. And after about five minutes of it, I looked at him and I said, Nick, I said, we're all preachers. Your language is not impressing us. And he get, got really upset. And he said, I'm not bleeping cursing because I'm bleeping trying to impress anybody. I'm bleeping cursing because it's bleeping who I am. You know what had happened? The seeds had gone down into the heart and become a mindset. And that mindset became his lifestyle. Some people just curse because it really is who they are. How about complaining? Is complaining corrupt communication? Some of you are going to get in the car and complain about how long the service was or complain about something. I don't know. You'll find something in church to complain about. What do you, what do you ever, your dad ever say to you, stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about? Stop complaining, or I'm going to give you something to complain about. We'll keep you till two, glory, hallelujah. You know, why do people complain? Heart seed turned into a root system. And complaining is just who they are. Just who they are. Parents, don't let that develop in the heart of your kids. You keep those roots out of their heart at a young age. Some of you are here that way now. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know what he's saying? Keep those seeds out of your heart. Look down at verse number 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and Evil speaking. You know what these are? These are seeds. We'll see in a minute what happens when these develop into a lifestyle. Each of these can become root systems in the heart of a person, which leads to a habitual way of life. Before we can pluck up the old roots, we must first be honest with ourselves and identify the roots that are embedded in the soil of our heart. I want everybody to take just a moment, bow your head and close your eyes. The sermon's not over. Don't get your hopes up. The sermon's not over. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to take a moment and ask God to identify any sinful root systems that are in your heart.
you look up here, up here at me when you're done. If you need longer, you can keep your head down. I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep preaching here. Did he show you anything? Has he showed you some things that are in your life that are habits? That are wrong? You'll never be rooted in Christ until you're actually willing to uproot that. You're willing to deal with it. The development of sin roots. Let's look at number two, the danger of sin roots. Look at Ephesians 5. Now, Ephesians 4 gets preached a lot. I've preached it a lot. It's used by a lot of preachers uh, 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 who know the Bible and love the Bible. But Ephesians 5 shows, Ephesians 4 shows us the seeds. Ephesians 5 shows us what happens when those seeds develop into a lifestyle. Look at verse 3. But fornicator and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Look at verse 4. Neither filthiness nor Foolish talking. The seeds of corrupt communication have now turned into the fruit of foolish talking. The seeds of bitterness and anger and wrath have now turned into the fruits of fornication and uncleanness and, and covetousness. Look back at uh, uh, verse number uh, uh, 3 there. Uh, as becometh saints, or covetousness, let it not be uh, once named among you, as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks in place of those root system. Let's put the root system in of giving thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of God, uh, uh, king, kingdom of Christ and of God. By the way, verse 5 is not saying that if you are these things, you don't enter the kingdom of heaven. What it's saying is if you are these things when you get to heaven, because they have not been taken off your eternal record, you're going to go to hell. If you're a Christian, these things ought not be named among you, why would they continue to be named among us? Because they were there before we got saved and we did not deal with them after we got saved. He saved us from our sin, but we weren't willing to uproot those, pluck up those old roots, and throw them out. Ephesians 4, we are shown what a sinful root system looks like. In Ephesians 5, we see what those sin roots produce. Let's look closely at two dangers that, uh, that sin roots present. Letter A, they deplete the soil. They deplete the soil. Why is it that some Christians never develop, or rather some people never really develop as Christians? For a time, they go to church. They make some changes. Outwardly, outwardly they assimilate to their Christian friends. But when it comes down, right down to it, their Christian life never truly actually develops. The reason being, the resources of their heart are sucked up by the old sinful roots in their life. It takes work to remove these old roots. It's hard. It's hard when you grew up listening to a certain type of music to cut that off. It's hard. It takes time. It takes a lot of work. In fact, most folks I know that have listened to music that more pleases the devil than God, it takes them five, six, seven, eight efforts to actually quit the music. It's hard. How many of you here that have been saved 20, 30 years, maybe you got saved in your adult life, there was a change in your music, but it took you a lot of effort. How many of you here? Would you hold up your hand? It's hard, isn't it? You know, you get used to a certain way of talking. And um, you know you shouldn't cuss. But you get really worked up, and boy, those words just start flowing out of your mouth. It takes a while to uproot those. But you've got to do it. 
you got to put in the labor so that Christ can have the soil of your heart. Let me get practical. Some of you don't have time to read your Bible. You know why? Because your heart is devoted to other root systems. Some of you aren't faithful to church. Because the root system of entertainment or the root system of laziness or the root system of self-worship or the root system of making money are sucking up the nutrients of your heart that's keeping you out of church. Some of you here may not like what I'm telling you this morning, but be thankful you have a pastor that's willing to preach a hard sermon and not just tickle your ears. Others of you here today, you're splitting resources. You want to have it both ways. You want to go to church on Sunday, and you want to live like the world on Monday. And God says, I don't want you to split resources. I want the entire field. If you want to have Christian fruit, but you always want to hold on to other things, you won't, you, then you, uh, uh, that you know don't please God. James 1.8 says this. In fact, I want everybody to turn over there real quick. James chapter 1 and verse number 8. You can't, you can't uh, have it one way Monday to Friday and another way on Sunday. And, and, and uh, look, you can do that for a short time and you'll see some growth. But you're going to hit a ceiling and you're not going to go any further unless you're actually willing to, 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 to double down and put in the work of removing the old root systems. What happens when you want it both ways? Look at James chapter 1, verse 8. Let's read it out loud together, can we? Ready? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Unstable. Not prosperous. Not good success. Not that tree that's planted by the rivers of water that's bringing forth fruit. Not all these things being added unto you, as Matthew 6.33 says. It says unstable. You know why? Because we've got contradictory root systems trying to grow in the same soil, and it's just not going to work. Letter A, they deplete the soil. Letter B, they defile the soul. They defile the soul. I move quickly. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 with me. You're in James. Hebrews is one one book back to the left. Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, Hebrews 12 is just a page or two over from James 1. Hebrews chapter 12, we find an an example of someone who allowed the wrong root system to develop in their heart from a time they were a young child, and we see what happens to them. Now, let me be clear here. Some root systems do nothing more than create an environment of spiritual mediocrity. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to send you to the grave early. But you're never going to actually produce fruit for the Savior. You'll produce fruit... But it won't be fruit anybody wants to actually eat. Other sin roots completely defile and destroy a person from the inside out. These broken ways of thinking, roots, turn into a defiled and broken lifestyle or life habits, fruits. Here's a little clever way of phrasing it. Bad roots produce defiled fruits. Bad roots produce defiled fruits. Can you have a tree that puts out good fruit and bad fruit on the same tree? Nope. You can't. Now, you'll have some fruit that will go bad if it's left on the tree too long. But a tree is either going to put out good fruit or bad fruit. Poison fruit or non-poison fruit. When I was a boy, we had an apple tree in our yard, but you couldn't eat the apples. The tree was no good. You know what you got to do to fix that tree? you got to change out the root system where you've got to pull that tree up and put a new, tree, a new seed down. 
Look at Hebrews 12, we find the example of Esau. Look here, it says, follow peace, verse 14. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, again, this is inspecting the soil of your heart. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. How does someone fail God's grace? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, God's going to give us an example of someone who did not deal with the wrong root system of bitterness in their heart. Look at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears." Now, I wish I had the time to go back and tell the whole story of Esau. If you don't know it, I would encourage you to go back to the book of Genesis. Uh, I believe it would be somewhere between chapters 18 and 25. You'll have to find it there. Go back to Genesis later and read it. Look up Esau and read his story. But really quick, I'll just give you a, a, what a, sort of the breakdown here. What we have in Hebrews here is we have a downward slope of a negative root system that completely destroys a person. Esau came out of the field one day and his twin brother Jacob was making uh, chili. It comes out to chili. And Esau was hungry. He hadn't eaten a couple of days. And he said, give me some of that chili. And Jacob said, give me your birthright. You know what Esau did? He traded the intangible for the tangible. And Esau said, ah, what good is this birthright going to do to me if I'm dead? He said, give me the chili, I'll give you my birthright. So he sold his birthright. And because he sold his birthright, there developed in him a root of bitterness. And out of that root of bitterness came the fruits of him becoming a fornicator. The Bible tells us that uh, that his parents said, we want you to marry a girl uh, from your own country or from your own type. Do not be unequally yoked. Do not get into a marriage with a pagan girl. And he said, you know what? The root of bitterness is coming up in my heart and I'm going to do the opposite of what my parents want me to do. And he went out and he married a pagan girl and he went out and slept around with various women. He became a fornicator. And from there that led to him becoming a profane person. And then from there that led for him being conned out of the blessing that that his dad gave at the end of his life, Jacob, his brother, conned him out of that blessing. And after that, he reached a point of no return. And he sought it, but he couldn't find it, though he looked for it with bitter tears. The seeds of carelessness and sinful carnality were allowed to grow in his heart. These developed into a root system of bitterness. And what did these roots produce? It produced a fornicator. He began to sleep around with women who were pagan. The fornication fruit fully matured into him becoming a profane or a vile person. Then what happened? This toxic man was conned out of his inheritance. He was forced to look himself in the proverbial mirror and see how vile he had become. He was forced to live with irreversible consequences for his bitter heart. A defiled soil. Depleted of the nutrients, defiled in every way. The dangers of sin roots. What's going to happen to you if you don't deal with the sin that's in your heart? And the old mentalities and the the root systems that are there. Look, it may not kill you. It may be a far smaller consequence. But at the least, it's going to hold you back from producing for the Savior. In the most extreme, it will do to you what it did to Esau. We must eliminate 
these roots. Number one, we saw the development of sin roots. Number two, the danger of sin roots. Number three, notice the destruction of sin roots. The destruction of sin roots. I'm just going to say this morning, I am so thankful for God's Word. Not only does it help us to see how we shouldn't live, it tells us what to do when we get ourselves into a mess. It tells us how to fix it. Now, Ephesians 5 shows us the problem in the beginning of the chapter, and then it offers the solution in the middle of the chapter. Let me give you quickly an A, B, C, and D, and we'll move quickly through this. Letter A, notice our walk. Our walk. How do you remove the roots? How do you destroy the roots? I've got a tree in my front yard right now. I've got all kinds of tree problems at my house, don't I, Brother Vara? I've got a tree in my front yard that my um, airheaded, the person who owned the house prior to me, and I don't know her, but she must have been an airhead because she put this tree right next to the foundation of the house. That's a problem. And it, it is probably about a five or six year old tree. And so it's, and again, I don't know a lot about trees, but I do know that it's gotten to where it's tall enough to be almost as tall as my two story house. And uh, it's not, it's not uh, gotten to a place where it's pushed my sidewalk up yet, but if I leave it long enough, it will. And my neighbor came over and he said, he said, his name's Matt. Matt said, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to take a chainsaw and you need to chop that thing off. And then you need to pour Epsom salt all over it. And then you need to take a black trash bag and you need to cover that thing so the sun will kill it. All the way down to the root system. You know what he's trying to get me to do? Destroy the root system. Destroy the root system. Some of you are right now thinking, your neighbor has no idea what he's talking about. After church, pastor, I'll tell you how to really take care of it. I'll take the advice. Amen. Uh, Maybe that is the way. I don't know. But he's, what he's trying to get me to do is destroy the root system. So what I'm going to give you today is the way to destroy sinful roots that are in your life. It is easy for us to say, you know what, there's music I ought not be listening to. There's clothing I ought not be wearing. There's entertainment I should not be entertained by. There's words I shouldn't be saying. There are things in my life I know that don't please the Lord. But I'm going to just quit cold turkey. It's not how it works. Now look, you'd be wise to go delete your preset stations on your radio and, and, and try to replace that with Christian music. But how is it that we're going to get rid of the root systems? It's a process. Letter A, our walk. Look at me in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 2. Look here. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for an offspring and a sacrifice to God with a sweet-smelling savor. So how do we walk in love? Look down at verse number 7. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Talking about who we walk with. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know what he's saying here? Actually, let's let's go down to verse 11. I'll make my comments here. Look at verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That word reprove means to rebuke. Or rebel against. Who we walk with matters. Who we talk to matters. Who we chum around with matters. Your light. You've been saved. You're walking in the light. So what are you doing being entertained by and hanging out with darkness? 
Someone starts to tell a dirty joke at work, you just need to walk away. Someone say, oh, 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 Joey over there. Just pick a name out of the air here. If your name's Joey, I'm not thinking of you. Old Joey over there, he's just, uh, he's just a stick in the mud, spiritual know-it-all. We tell jokes and he walks away. He never says anything negative about his wife. Or she never says anything negative about her husband. We're all, we're all putting down our spouses, but they won't do it. Boy, I want that reputation at work. You know why? I'm not going to have fellowship with darkness. One job I worked um, uh, was a um, warehouse type job where we'd pick slots and the, uh, the product got, would get sent out to stores. And I remember pre-shift, pre-shift meetings where that same fifth letter of the alphabet word was just used hundreds of times in a 20-minute span by the men in the room. I can remember sitting at the pre-shift meeting and some cute little secretary would walk in and, oh my goodness, the filthy comments made in her direction, not where she could hear, but where the other guys could hear, just just awful. I can remember uh, we had a, a downtime where the power went out and they wanted us to stick around and finish the uh, work that day. And sitting in the break room, waiting for the lights to come back on and listening as they for 30 minutes told stories about being drunk and all of the bad stuff that happened to them while being drunk and they're glorifying drunkenness. I, I can remember them talking about how on payday they were heading down to the strip club to spend their money. The Bible says we're to have no fellowship with a work of darkness. Look down at verse number 15. Rather, we're to walk in light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly means planned and careful. That we're planning out our steps. Look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but rather be filled with or walk in the Spirit, our walk. Does your walk today encourage the root system in your heart? Or is it drying up those roots so that they can be dead and fall away? Letter B, our words. Our words. I'll, qu- I'll be quick here. Look at verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. What's it saying here? When we follow people that use empty or vain words, we fall under the wrath of God. Look at verse 12. Ephesians 5.12 For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You know what God's saying here? You want the wrong root systems to be destroyed? Then you better watch your words carefully. I was working at Burger King as a teenager. And again, the language coming out of those teenagers' mouth was uh, unsavory and sinful. I remember I was closing one night and I was washing the broiler that cook all the Whoppers and hamburger patties. And, and uh, somebody said something and I, I, I commented back and I came right up to the edge of the curse word and I stopped right before it came out of my mouth. And the Holy Spirit of God punched me in the chest and said, what were you doing even thinking that word? Boy, it came right to the tip. In fact, I might have even gotten the first syllable out. And God said, that's not the way a Christian talks. You know what I had to realize is that because I had been exposed to so much foul language, it had become part of the way I was thinking. The seeds had developed into a root system and were getting ready to begin to produce those fruits of foul language in my life. And God was saying, you need to deal with that root system right now. Our words, letter C, our work. Look at verse 10, Ephesians 5.10. Proving what 
is acceptable unto the Lord. That word prove means to put to the test. You know what would be a good idea for you to do today? Go home and look at what you watch on TV and ask yourself this question. Is that acceptable to the Lord? If it isn't, I'm going to turn it off. This outfit that I'm going to go put on when I get out of church. This outfit I'm going to wear every day. The clothing in my closet or in my drawers. Is this acceptable to the Lord? I'm going to put it to the test. Lord, does this please you? Is this clothes that you would wear, that I would wear, if you were going to physically stay in my house next week? Then if not, I'm going to do the work to get rid of it. This music that comes through my earbuds, my AirPods, my uh, uh, my phone, my radio, uh, 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 whatever source you're getting it from, maybe you've even purchased it, does that please the Lord? I'm going to put it to the test, and if not, then I'm going to do my best to have God help me get rid of it. Look at verse number 16, uh, and we see another verse about our work here. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. You know what redeeming the time means? It means checking the clock. Hey, Jesus is coming back and He's coming back soon. And we need to make sure that we're redeeming the time. We're using every minute we can to live for the Lord and where God brings things into our life that aren't right, that aren't provable to what is acceptable to Him. We're going to get rid of it because we have fruit to bear for the Master and we've got to get busy doing that. Our work. Letter D. Notice God's wisdom. God's wisdom. There are going to be times where you just don't know whether something is acceptable to the Lord or not. There's going to be times along the path where something is just not real clear. Do we rely on our own wisdom? Well, you know, I've listened to that my whole life. I've worn that my whole life. I've gone there my whole life. I've done that my whole life. I've ingested this my whole life. So can't be that bad. Well, we can't rely on our wisdom. We've got to rely on God's wisdom. Look at verse 11 again. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but... Rather, reprove them. Reprove them. That means you've got to cut them away. You've got to deal with those. How do you do that? You allow God to help you to know how to do that. Look at verse 13. But all things that are reproved, how do we reprove? Are made manifest by the light. Look at the last uh, 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 five words of verse 14. Christ shall give thee light. You know what? If I'm working in an orchard in the dark... And I want to know if fruit is good or bad. I'll pull out a flashlight and I'll shine it on that fruit. And I'll get an idea if that's good fruit or bad fruit. We live in a world of darkness. We need light to know whether the fruit in our life that's there is coming from a good root system or a poor root system. How do we know that? Christ shall give thee light. You're saved into the light of Christ. And that same light will show you if those things, habits in your life are right or wrong. Look down at verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, that's our natural state, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I'll finish the sermon with this, and I'm done. Until you become 100% convinced that living life God's way is the only way to do it, and that God has your best interest at heart, you're not going to make a single change. You're not. When you believe that God's Word was written and God's will for your life is to have 
a joyous and happy marriage, to raise children that love God, uh, to be an employee, employee or employer that is uh, uh, approved, that God approves your work and what you do, that every aspect of your life is going to be joyous and spiritually prosperous and a good success, when you become convinced in your heart that you'll do that, that God will do that for you, then you'll be willing to deal with the old root system. But I'm going to tell you right now, it takes work. It takes work. It takes work to yield to God's Spirit, where God says, you know what, that substance that you've been taking into your body, that doesn't please me, it's got to go. Yes, Lord. Help me to remove this. Those words have been fumbling out of your mouth, that don't please me. That complaining spirit, that taking God's name in vain, that corrupt communication, it's got to go. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Help me to dig up those roots. Those shows I've been watching on TV, or rather, sometimes, sometimes it's not that what we're watching is wrong, it's how much we're watching is wrong. And God says it's time to cut that back. Cut it down. If God's dealing with the root system in your heart today, why don't you get serious with God about plucking that out of your life? So that the seeds of Scripture can go down deep in your heart, and you can be rooted in Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The sermon this morning was not preached to the lost. But if you're here today and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, you can't be rooted in Christ until you become a child of Christ. Don't delay. You don't get to heaven by some religious system. Boy, I've asked people if they were going to heaven, and they've given me all kinds of answers. I'm going to heaven because I'm Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist or Catholic. There's not a religious title that will get you into heaven. God's not going to check your ID card at the gate and see what religion you were to let you in. He's going to check and see if you, at some point in your life, humbled your heart and put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Did you believe that or not? That really is it. What sends a person to hell? Really only one sin, and that's the sin of unbelief, not believing in in Jesus and Christ alone. If you've not done that today, please don't leave this room until you've talked to me or someone on our church staff or one of our deacons or a woman in our church who is a godly woman who can show you from his word how to put your faith and trust in Christ to save you. Here, I want to ask a question this morning, and I want to be uh, uh, very forward with you today, and I hope that you'll... Uh, participate in this. How many here to say, Pastor, there is some root system in my life God has pointed out to me and He's made it very clear to me me today. It's got to go. Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me. It's got to go. There's things in my life that's not right holding me back. It's got to go. Now, those of you that raise your hand, you serious about it? Are you really going to let God help you to get that out of your heart? So that you can produce fruit for the Savior. I hope that today you'll drop to your knees in a spirit of humility. Whether it's here at the altar or there in your pew. You get down on your knees. Show that humility. And you'll ask God to help you to identify it and uproot it. And you'll stay the course until those root systems are gone. And God can have your heart. Let's stand together. Lord, would you help us this morning? To be people with hearts that are pure and holy. Lord, may we be humble. May we put in the work. 
so that we can produce and be rooted in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.